Hi everybody, happy Wicked Wednesday and welcome to Shivers. Last week I finally released my self-published book called Burn Her Down on Amazon and on Kindle on Amazon, so it's available in paperback or an ebook version. And last night I did a little release party for it, so did some book signings and read from the book itself. So that's what I would like to do today. So giving some background on the book itself, I like to consider it a horror story rooted in reality. There's no ghosts, there's no creatures, there's no apocalypse, it's just regular people and what they're capable of. So our story centers around a main character named Alexa. She is a normal average human being doing a nine to five job, living her life. Her best friend, Anna Lee, is getting married to a man named Ray and they're getting married at St. Valentina's Church. St. Valentina's Church is a church that Alexa grew up going to and has some history with that we don't find out until later in the book, but she and the priest know each other, have some bad blood, but Alexa is a good friend to Annalie and wants to support her in this endeavor and in her wedding. So the book itself takes place over the course of a week and a half, so it's the whole week leading up to the wedding, the wedding itself, and then a couple of days after the wedding. So today I'm going to read to you the actual wedding day. This is chapter 23. Alexa is reading this story in first person, so we're reading from the person of Alexa. I hold the front door of the church open for everyone to walk through, lugging in their equipment and expertises with them. I hear the faint noise of hip hop music as I walk down the stairs to the hall. Annalie throws her hands up and screams in joy as she sees me reach the final steps. Good morning to the love of my life, my soul sister, she says as she gives me a big hug. I relax into her, feeling tears swell in my eyes out of happiness for her and her big day, and feeling at home by being around my best friend. Oh my god, we need to get our crying out now before we get our makeup done, she says as she begins crying with me. How was your night? Did you eat this morning? What's the plan for us getting ready? I want to make sure everything goes smoothly for you today, I say. She smiles and hugs me again. My night was fabulous. You were right. Having sex with Ray last night was the best, and honestly, it might have been the best sex I ever had. Screw superstitions. How was your night? Another successful conversation with Brooke. To give you some background, Brooke is one of Alexa's friends, and we meet her a little bit earlier on. I'm happy to hear that. And oh, don't worry about that. Brooke and I made up. We did have a long conversation about the past and decided to move on so we could be friends again. It was really cathartic and I think I needed it more than I thought, I say. We sit down and begin getting our makeup done while the hairstylist finishes setting up, pouring us mimosas from an apparent secret bar. I don't want to bring up any tension, but I do want to apologize for the conversation between us and Father Heyman last night, I say. Previous night was the rehearsal dinner and they got into a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I kind of blew it off, but what was that all about? I know you don't like churches and religion, but does that mean that you have to hate priests too? He was nice enough to let us in last night, Annalie asks. I take a sip of my mimosa and sigh. I do have a bit of a confession. I know Father Eamon from my childhood. I actually grew up going to this church. When I was a teenager, I started questioning my beliefs, and it wasn't until college that I stopped going to church altogether. My parents never really agreed with my choice, and many of the members of the church knew who I was and were upset with that as well. My parents ended up changing churches simply due to the judgment, and I don't think Father Heyman ever let it go. If he sense any tension, that's really all it comes down to. The bliss that is small town community, I say, selling half the truth. Oh my god, Lex, why didn't you tell me this before? 
I feel awful making you come back here, she says sympathetically. It's your day, and this is my opportunity to write a new memory here. Today will be a day to remember, that is for certain, I say. She smiles and squeezes my hand, making the makeup artist flinch. Did he remember who you were? I heard him call you by your name last night. You must have really made quite the impression, she inquires. He did, and I guess I must have. At this point, all I can do is make sure he never forgets it, I say, feeling a twinge of desire for revenge in my gut. Well, consider it squashed. Last night was nothing more than a blip on the exciting day we have ahead of us today. I want this day to be as great for you as I know it will be for me, she says. In my peripheral view, I see a figure descending down the stairs, as if on cue Father Heyman approaches, clasping the cross that hangs around his neck. Good morning, ladies. What a beautiful day for a wedding. Anna Lee, we are so blessed to have you and Ray with us today. Since our morning service has concluded, I had some extra time and wanted to check in to see if there was anything I could assist with, he says. I think we're good. Thank you, Father. Alexa also apologized for last night's discussion, so consider today a day of clean slates, Annalise says. A wave of aggravation washes over me. I apologize to her, not to him. Wonderful. Forgiveness is the key to cleansing, and I'm so happy you were able to own up to your own mistakes, Alexa. Just in time, our makeup is finished and it's time to move over to the hairstyling station. Please don't hesitate to ask for anything before the ceremony today. There are extra tables and chairs in the basement for later, but please let me get them for you if you need them. The door handle is quite finicky since it's been locked for some time now. No one has used this hall in a few months. It's beautiful to have some here once more, he says, returning upstairs. I take out my phone and text Ray to make sure everything is all set. He confirms almost immediately, saying he'll be to the church shortly. I order fast food catering for all of us and ask him to pick it up on his way. Within the hour, Ray arrives bearing gifts, food, and flowers. Oh, honey, you're so thoughtful. I love you so much. Good thing I didn't have my dress on yet where I'd be upset with you, Annalie says, lighting up as soon as she sees him enter the room. I know the rules. Don't worry. Please eat some lunch. Guests will be arriving soon. I'll get my hair nice and tousled when you're both finished, and we'll be right on schedule, he says, exuding professionalism and calmness. It's always refreshing to have Ray around. It helps remind everyone what matters and what's real. It's now 4 p.m. and the ceremony is about to start. Annalie, you look incredible. You were born to be a bride, Annalie's mother says. I stand there in awe, taking in this moment, looking at Annalie in her white ball gown. However well-intentioned it is, I've always found it strange when a parent tells their daughter that she was born to be a bride or born to be a mother forcing this stereotype on children and even adults. That says if you're not one of these traditional things, then you're not living up to your birth prophecy. It's one of the main reasons why I never want to become a parent or get married. Simple rebellion from normalcy and from what I've been told my entire life. <clears throat> be more caring, be more humble, follow your boyfriend's lead, dress more feminine, be a nurturer, etc. It's been long overdue for women to be more than caretakers and humble servants. But today's traditional wedding seemingly forgoes that campaign, at least for now. I help Annalie and her mother walk up the stairs and guide them to the front of the church, placing them in line behind the groomsmen and myself. We walk in the main doors one by one and saunter down the aisle as models in our ritualistic fashion show. After I reach the altar, the guests are cued to stand and welcome the bride. As soon as the music swells, I look over to Ray and watch him as he sobs at the sight of Annalie. It's beautiful to watch, but also slightly uneasy. Do two people playing dress up in front of a sea of witnesses truly reflect love and happiness? Why do we do this as a society and call it acceptable, call it normal? I take a breath and get back to the present moment. 
This is a day to appreciate how far Annalie and Ray have come, and that I can get on board with. Annalie and Ray meet at the altar and exchange beautiful vows, sharing their favorite nicknames and reveling in their most cherished memories. Annalie recites a memory so detailed and perfect that I remember being there, even though I never was. The guests laugh and cry along with the couple, and Father Heyman gives the final blessing before Annalie and Ray share their first kiss as a married couple. The two stand hand in hand and blow kisses to the guests as they exit the church through the front doors. Everyone follows, cheering for the couple and providing well wishes in celebration. Herding the crowd back inside, we all head down to the hall for a cocktail hour while the parking lot is converted into the reception on, under a huge white tent, a circus for the innocent and pure newlyweds. We go back downstairs and everyone is greeted by a traveling bartender and a multitude of hors d'oeuvres. Noticing quickly that there are not nearly enough tables and chairs for all guests, Annalie pries open the basement door and heads down the stairs, ignoring Father Heyman's request from earlier. About 30 seconds later, the hall silences as we hear a deafening scream come from below. Ray and I run down the stairs as quickly as we can and come face to face with the scream setting scene. I look over at Annalie to see that her face is as white as her dress. The entire basement is lined with bodies. All shapes and sizes, white cloths draped over their privates, their eyes open and facing the front of the room. Following their eyes, we see a portrait of Jesus and the devil made from the flesh of these victims, hung on the front wall. In front of the portrait is a man on a cross with his throat slit and a pool of dried blood underneath him. That man is my friend Abraham. That is the middle of our book. I hope you enjoyed. Like I said, it is available on Amazon, so please go check it out. And thank you for listening to today's Wicked Wednesday.